Connected Man in Washington, WSB's Jamie Dupree is on every day with Herman Kane, 1106 AM every day, sponsored by Charter Communications on News 955 and AM 750 WSB. We are America, one voice, united we stand. Why do you have any belief that you stand a chance to win this nomination, let alone the presidency? Most of the people that are in elective office in Washington, D.C. have held public office before. How's that working for you? Herman Cain, Solutions for a Better America. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Adam Goldfein filling in for Herman Cain on the Herman Cain Show. Thanks so much for joining us. It is that time where we add to the conversation information from the most connected man in Washington, Jamie Dupree. Jamie, are you there? Hey, Adam. How you doing today, buddy? I'm doing very well. It's so nice to speak with you. How was your holiday? Uh, excellent. How about yours? It's good. I, I always eat a little too much and drink uh, a little too okay. much. That's okay, yes. You know, all the other gluttonous things that we shouldn't do, right? That's right. So so a lot going on in Washington. They're not, they haven't gone completely dormant uh, you know, in this holiday season. Uh, with all that's been happening on the terror front, we've been talking about that today as far as what the reaction should be, uh, both domestically and, and, and foreign. Uh, what's the take in Washington? Well, we actually have been listening in for the last hour on a hearing uh, about uh, not only the visa waiver program, but about the regular visa program and the checks, or you could argue the lack thereof on some of those. Yesterday's revelation from the FBI chief that the woman involved in the shootings out in San Bernardino, that she had been radicalized before she applied for a visa mm -hmm. uh, to the United States, has certainly raised a lot of red flags with members of both parties, but especially with Republicans. Ted Cruz was just giving a speech, and he's uh, just uh, gone into Q&A over the Heritage Foundation right now in the last minute, uh, in which he's been talking for the last hour about the need to do more on a number of fronts on terrorism. And, you know, it, it's interesting. There, there's always been the the view that the Republicans do better when the focus is on national security and terrorism. Up until the Paris attacks, it really, I mean, it had been an issue, but it hadn't been a huge issue. But obviously the one-two punch of both the Paris attacks followed by the San Bernardino attacks has certainly changed the dynamic of this presidential race. I think you just look at the strength of Donald Trump and the, the polling troubles and the slide for Ben Carson, and I think it's perfectly you know, or emblematic of where this race is right now is that Carson is not seen as being strong on foreign policies. Trump is being seen as, I think, much stronger by a lot of Republican voters because he's able to. Why? Because I think he's able to encapsulate and and really come up with uh, to tap into that vein of fear, not only about terrorism, but is the government really doing enough about it? So the the terror issue again, front and center today. In fact, in about two hours' time, we'll have a closed door briefing for members of the House. The FBI director and others will be here. They'll brief House members, and then about two hours after that, Adam, they'll brief senators as well. Why are the candidates, other than Trump, so flat-footed and so incapable of responding to the rhetoric? Well, I don't think that, uh, you mean on, on the issue of terror? Yeah. I, I don't think, for example, I don't think Cruz has been flat-footed. I think he's taken advantage of it, uh, talking about, you know, bombing the living daylights, to use a phrase, uh, out of the Islamic State. I think Marco Rubio has done well with it. Uh, I'm not, I, I think sort of that Trump, Rubio, and Cruz have been best positioned to, ta to take advantage of it. Others, for a variety of reasons, I mean, you know, Jeb Bush may say things that are right, but he just doesn't have the electricity right and now. That's what that I meant I by flat-footed. Exactly. Just like they're, they're messages don't seem to be getting out and I also don't hear anybody um, screaming about 
civil liberties or about making sure that we don't go too far. Everybody- well, no, actually, I mean, you are hearing that from both Rand Paul and from Ted Cruz. Uh, Cruz, in fact, in his speech today, without mentioning Marco Rubio by yes. name, was giving Rubio, uh, attacking Rubio for uh, saying that we need to go back to some of the old rules in terms of data collection on the bulk phone metadata. Mm-hmm. So that has been an issue there. But, you know, uh, the, the civil liberties thing, I mean, if we rewind maybe about a year ago, uh, even two years, uh, Rand Paul was sort of ascendant in that. And that's gone away a little. Yeah. Uh, I think it's it's you know it's hurt him because uh, the whole discussion of terrorism and more really I, I think causes people. Let's face it, a lot of people look at it as a trade-off, and they'd rather be safer. You know, we're cont- gonna, always going to have that argument about where that line is for protecting yeah. people and civil liberties and more. There was a really interesting exchange yesterday, Adam, in the Senate Judiciary Committee involving the FBI director. He has pushed really hard to get more uh, law enforcement access to some of these encrypted messages yes. that, that people, you know, that you and I can buy an app or buy something off the shelf and make sure nobody can read our, our messages to each other. Uh, the FBI chief said yesterday that one of the two guys involved in the Garland, Texas attack, remember that was yeah. uh, foiled by police at the Draw Muhammad contest, that one of those guys had sent 109 messages that day to a known terrorist overseas. But, but help me understand, Jamie, just so I could understand from your perspective. On the one hand, you have James Comey talking about the fact that they need access uh, to everyone's emails to do their scans and their searches, and they want to limit the type of encryption maybe on your Apple iPhone or on your Android, right? They don't like the, the end-user in- encryption. And at the very, very same time, in the next breath, he will say that their techniques have worked and there's no Islamic State cells here in the United States. So So if there are no cells here... Why do they need the extra tools? Well, I, I think that what the the constant explanation that's uh, been given to me, uh, not only in public, but um, and I ran into a senior intelligence official a few weeks ago, yeah. and he said to me that they're while they are worried about the Islamic State getting people in the U.S., they have not had success doing that, and they are much more worried they be the U.S. intelligence community about people like in San Bernardino mm-hmm. who are not quote-unquote affiliated with the Islamic State. They're not a cell or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, self-radicalized people. Exactly, right? Right. and that they hang their hat on the banner of the Islamic State. I mean, look, the husband and the wife were evidently radicalized before the Islamic State even existed. Exactly. In 2012, Islamic State comes in in 2014. So, How's that, know, how uh, does that work? So right? that's why when people tell me, well, the, this duo was a cell for the Islamic State, yeah, I have wasn't. to say, no, yeah. I, I don't think so. Yeah. So that that's the, 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 the definition, uh, maybe for some the distinction without a difference is is that they don't see the feds do not see the Islamic State with people here in the U.S. Now, uh, uh, but they do worry about others just sort of taking up under the banner of the Islamic State and making attacks, which can be just as deadly, obviously, as as if somebody got in here. All right. So, so Trump makes his bold statements about banning uh, Muslims until he can figure it out. Um, that doesn't play that well internationally. What's the response been like in Israel? Well, I thought it was sort of interesting that uh, yesterday the uh, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, who obviously is uh, well regarded by most Republicans and yeah. especially conservative Republicans, and considered tough and considered tough yeah. on terror, right? And that he blasted Trump's idea, fully rejected it in a statement. Trump was supposed to go to Israel later this year, yeah. and Trump this morning announced, "No, I'm not going to go now." Of course, he didn't relate those two, but uh, you know, <laughs> to me the linkage is there. It's a classic sort of Trump thing. Uh, but uh, but it was classic Trump too in the way he announced it. He said, well, I'm, not, I'm postponing my trip. I'm going to go after I'm elected president. You know, that's it, only Trump uh, could make that announcement and say it like that. So, uh, look, I, I think that, again, uh, we've talked a lot about Trump this week and his statement. 
I don't, uh, again, I don't think there's a guarantee that all this will hurt him in any way. Well, I don't think it hurts him at all. I don't think it hurts him because the type of people he's playing to, when, the, when you look at the polls, the issues that are important, say, in the Republican Party, and that's that's the first test he has to win, right? Yeah, well, and the, o- the only ahead. thing I would say that's different this week is I do believe that Republican elected officials here in the Congress have decided that they will step up more and confront Trump more. And while I don't think that means that Trump is going to lose necessarily or anything like that, I do think that there was more of a willingness of Republicans in the Congress of all stripes, not just these were not just establishment types Mm -hmm. that if they disagree with Trump, they're going to voice it a little more. Now, again, it doesn't mean that somehow Trump is going to fall off the edge of the earth or anything like that. Uh, But I I did think that that was the most interesting part of this week and how it and, and how it evolved. Where are the groups like the Tea Party who were so vocal and were so pro constitution? Where are they on all this? Yeah, well, a number of them, when interviewed this week, they would not uh, expressly say they wouldn't support Trump as a nominee, but they said they didn't (laughs) like the idea of Trump's plan. They felt like it was, using their words that were given in us in interviews, unconstitutional, un-American, things like that. Now, I would assume that we're not going to hear a lot of them come out and rebuke Trump. But uh, to me, in the hallways, interviewing them and hearing stuff like that, I just thought was very interesting. Now, in in the end, they may be more than ready to vote with Trump, uh, but there were some who were ready to break with him this week. Again, that's I I think people are misinterpreting. I've gotten man, I've gotten so many ugly emails this week from listeners. Uh, What I'm trying to, to express to people is that the the Republicans here, to me, the biggest change dealing with Trump was their willingness to come forward and object to him this week. Again, that does not translate into somehow, A, that Trump is going to lose, or B, that these guys in Congress are going to win over him. Well, what, what's happening on the gun control front? Because uh, that's The been, Democrats, in fact, yeah. had a news conference this morning. They're again pressing not only for votes in both the House and Senate. They've been uh, having uh, all week, Adam, a whole bunch of procedural votes in the House to try to raise the uh, uh, sort of attention on their effort to get a vote on this uh, plan that would, if you're on the no-fly list. You couldn't buy a gun. We had some votes last week in the Senate. Nancy Pelosi is evidently in the negotiations over the omnibus funding bill. She wants to uh, remove a restriction that's been there for a number of years in the budget each year that says uh, doctors are not allowed to use any data uh, you know, not allowed to ask people uh, if they're injured about gun use or anything like that, or if they have a gun in the home. So, uh, you know, they're trying. I get the sense, and again, this doesn't mean that they're going to win, but I get the sense that Democrats have decided that after years of sort of being a little quieter uh, on the issue of guns, that they are going to speak out a lot more. And, you know, we'll have to see. Uh, right now, certainly nothing has changed in the Congress on gun control in many, many years. There's L- been let a me working t- let me majority get your take here for on, gun rights for 20-plus years. Let me get your take on two quick issues kind of related to it, right? So you have the Democrats wanting to link the no-fly list to the gun, you know... Um, They've been trying on a daily basis sure. since the Paris attacks. But yes. how come the, the Democrats have abandoned their right of individuals to contest or have due process if they're put on the list? Because there's no way to get off the list. No, and that's uh, the ACLU has a big lawsuit involving exactly that that they've been uh, pushing for a number of years. You know, but uh, but how come? But we we forget that side of the argument. So that's so that's well, my, I don't <laughs> think we forget about it. the Republicans have been talking about that all week. That's one of their main objections to yeah. that uh, whole idea is that you can be placed on that list just for suspicion more than anything else. Of course, and not because you've been convicted of something or actually charged with something. And I'm waiting for this one. I'm waiting for the mashup 
I'm waiting for someone to say Muslims can't have guns. You know, it's you know, like some sort of mashup between the two ideas. I'd like to know which way the staunch Republicans would come out on that one and which way the staunch Democrats would come out because that would be the almost impossible combo. That would be a verbal grenade, yes. You're absolutely right. Yeah. All right, what do we have to look forward to? What's coming in the days ahead? Well, they've still got to figure out what to do on the issue of funding the government, the so-called omnibus funding bill, the yeah. 12 uh, budget bills all wrapped into one. So that's got to be dealt with. The, the government funding actually runs out tomorrow night, but they're going to pass a short-term extension to get them through next Wednesday night. So I would think by the end of next week or even rolling into that weekend before Christmas that uh, we'll be working on that. I mean, in the end, we all know where this is going to come out. There's going to be a lot of kicking and screaming. Yeah, and they're going uh, to do it anyway. Yeah, so, and they're going to have to do it, or they just punt it into next year. Uh, but, uh, look, there's a lot of Republicans who don't like the funding levels, but then again, they don't have their own guy in the White House. It would be a lot different if they did. Jamie, as always, greatly appreciate it. We always appreciate your wisdom, your insight. You add a tremendous amount to the show. Thanks so much for coming. See you, Adam. And happy holidays to you. you Thanks too, so buddy. much.